Hey, everybody, welcome. Oh, we're not on the Matt Townsend Show yet, but coming up on the show today, we're talking about intimidation. What intimidates you? You know, for me, it's really smart children that correct your grammar. Can't stand them. Today, we'll be talking about intimidation with an expert and give you some keys and some tools up next on the Matt Townsend Show. Good afternoon. I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. President Barack Obama and GOP candidate Mitt Romney are shadowing each other on the campaign trail in Virginia. In a state dotted with big bases, both candidates appealed for the military vote. Romney on a stop in Springfield attacking looming defense cuts he blames on Obama. The strange proposal in the first place even stranger that it's being put in place. The president in Virginia Beach saying the 47% who don't pay income taxes Romney dismissed to GOP donors include troops and veterans and even military families. Who are wondering whether their loved ones are going to come back home safe and sound. Obama says they don't strike him as victims looking for a handout. Mark Smith at the White House. The NATO military efforts in Afghanistan are slowly trying to rebuild efforts to work more closely with Afghan security forces. After a spike in insider attacks, commanders issued limits two weeks ago on when certain coalition and Afghan troops could patrol or work together, requiring a senior regional commander to sign off. Before that, about 90 percent of all operations included both NATO and Afghan forces. A U.S. defense official now says more than half of all operations include both as they slowly work through the approval process. Sagar Megani at the Pentagon. In a somewhat expected address, the Palestinian leader, Mahmoud Abbas, has asked the U.N. General Assembly to rein in Israel. Abbas says there's no nice name for the way the Israeli government is treating Palestinians. It is a campaign of ethnic cleansing. Speaking through a U.N. interpreter, he told the General Assembly there's only one possible reading of Israeli treatment of the peace process. That the Israeli government rejects the two-state solution. Abbas made repeated references to the Nakba, or catastrophe, the Palestinians' word for the founding of Israel. And he said while he remains ready to talk peace with the Israelis, he drew sustained applause when he declared there is no homeland for us, but Palestine. Warren Levinson, New York. Flu shot season is here once again, and this year's shot is formulated to prevent new strains of the virus. It's that time again. Time to get your flu vaccine. And CDC flu specialist Dr. Daniel Jernigan warns last year's shot won't protect you this year. Flu viruses are always changing, and the vaccine has to keep up with those changes. This year's vaccine contains two new components, two new viruses that were added. Health experts say just about everyone over six months old should get the vaccine. There are several types, the familiar flu shot in the muscle, a new microneedle shot just under the skin, or nasal spray. But the government says just 42% of Americans were immunized last year. David Melendi, Washington. You're listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Matt Townsend, your relationship coach, your guide on the side. We do what we can on our program every weekday to help you and your loved ones grow healthier, happier lives. Welcome to the program, everybody. Now, have you ever been intimidated? 
Has anybody ever just scared you to death? Uh, Anybody ever made you not want to say anything because they were so scary or intimidating? Today on the show, we are talking about intimidation. We are going to tear it apart. Uh, And I don't know how we even got the subject because I know there's nothing intimidating about me. Right, Bryce? Not not a thing. <laughs> right, Catherine? Nothing. Sky, you have something to say? I'm I'm very intimidated by you actually. It's my it's my physique. Yeah, you scare me. Okay, whatever. <laughs> uh, we're talking intimidation, and we brought on the gang because, uh, and we had a really funny discussion because you will not be you'll be amazed. I mean, about what people are intimidated about. Because quite honestly, I am intimidated by smart kids, and I didn't even think about it until one of our uh, other show producers or other newscasters, um, Katie Katie Jarvis told us she heard us speaking and and came in and said you know what intimidates me the most are really smart kids and that's true that's really true smart actually it's not even smart kids it's smart people can't stand them what what gets me is little kids who ask really big questions yes like the smart ones that ask really big questions like give me a question a smart kid would ask uh, I'll tell you if I like my them. my nephew once asked me how many planets were in a specific galaxy and oh, what a weirdo and he could only like comprehend up to like 25 and yeah. so that was a really hard <laughs> answer to formulate for him see that's just not right that intimidates me actually that doesn't intimidate me as much as them correcting you like it's not 30 it's 36 duh and you just want to get him. You might, you guys don't have kids yet, but wait till your kids are correcting you. Um, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to do, do a little roundtable here and find out what intimidates and why. Okay, Catherine, intimidation factor. What is it? What would just push you over the edge? Well, right now it's my accounting professor. Oh, do you want yeah. to name names? You don't. <laughs> no. Okay. No. But I had him two years ago. I have him again. He still scares me. You'd why? think I would have gotten over You'd it. you think you, you understand his process. He's not he's not packing heat. No, nope, no. So what intimidates you? I think it's cuz he's brilliant and <sighs> I know guy. that his opinion kind of matters on how well I do in the class. Yes, and then how, yeah, and how well you progress in a program yeah. cuz he could sabotage you. He could. He could really make so it so that is I can't intimidating. <laughs> so one thing that might be intimidating us is do they have like power over us? Like a teacher. To block our goal or something. Uh-huh, that's, that's why some bosses might be, you know, scary. Hmm. Sky, what intimidates you, my friend? I think it's <clears throat> when people are just generally, like, better than me at a certain thing. Like yes. when I uh, when I first applied for the school of music, I had to audition for jazz bands, and I was in a jazz band and a jazz combo with a bunch of jazz studies majors. Oh, were they cocky? Nothing worse than a cocky <laughs> jazz major. Nothing worse. But they were... They were unbelievable. Yeah, they were good. And they knew every single jazz standard. They could solo like crazy. And I was on the guitar, and they would, like, tell me to solo after they just, like, wailed and just shredded. (laughs) And it was really embarrassing whenever I played. But did it lift your game up, or did it keep you from playing? Yeah, I learned a lot. uh, Is that when you changed your major? (laughs) I actually, I did switch from jazz guitar to classical guitar in the school of music, so maybe that's why. Maybe I was just too intimidated. Well, but, I mean, yeah. So maybe intimidation can serve you. Hmm. We'll find out with our expert today, Bryce BT. Bryce Tobin, what makes you, I mean, because you're a guy that doesn't get intimidated easily. Yeah, we were talking earlier. It seems that when uh, whenever we confront the question, my first thought is, 
is it bigger than me? That's my first. Oh, so is it's, it, a, it's a physical thing. That's where it starts. Can it stomp but, on me? Yeah, yeah. Is it? Does it have more girth than I do? <laughs> but What if it has more girth, but it's also 55 years older? Uh, that's still... Still intimidating. That's still What if you know you can outrun it? Uh, yeah, no big deal. No big deal. <laughs> no big deal. I don't mind running. Unless it's got really quick hands. Unless. But uh, social situations, big... Yes. Uh, big events intimidate me. Like, I would hate to be the guy in the crowd at a show who, like, didn't know how to sing along. Like, yeah, that had no rhythm. <laughs> and also, you know, my head's above everyone else's so they can see I'm that guy who can't, you know, who doesn't yes. know the lyrics. Isn't that interesting? But you can be on the radio, but don't throw you in a crowd. No. That's... How about this? How about having to do something public? So I speak, I can literally speak without even thinking about it in front of thousands of people. But if you put me in front of somebody and make me, like, do a script... I would rather die. I would rather die than be like on a church primary program with the young kids and have to pretend to re- and to be the father and act out a script. If they make me act out a script, that intimidates me. Don't make me let me let me improv. Let me say what I want to say, but do not tell me what to say. <laughs> right now, I'm nervous. That just got me nervous. Isn't that weird? That is weird. Why would that be? Uh, you... What is okay? We got to figure out this intimidation thing. Yeah. What does it mean? What is it? Catherine, I know you know. You're smart. For me, it's a superiority thing. Someone or something is better yes. than I am, and I can tell, and I know that they know it. I you just know. know. It's when you know they know. That bugs you. Yeah. I think that's almost worse, is you know they know that they're so But, like, great. mine is just if I'm in a crowd and I have to do something a certain way, like by memory, like a script, why would that intimidate me? I feel like people judge us. Like, when I know that I'm being judged... That when int- I feel like yeah. people are judging me. Isn't that, that interesting? Yeah. Or when mistakes are noticed. Yeah, like yeah. pointed out. Or even when you're playing a piano piece. I've done that before. Playing. You mess up, mm-hmm. everyone knows. Yeah, that's interesting. But does that keep you from playing piano? Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes it does. Some other things. So we talked about size. Sometimes just bigger people. like Not like heavy, but just like tall, big people might intimidate us. Uh, how about interviewing? You, uh, Catherine's been interviewing a bunch of, with a bunch of people now. All this week. What, so I guess that intimidates you because your life is in their hands. Yeah, it really is. My future in accounting is resting in a couple of people's hands. That's got to be intimidating. So it's out of your power. Maybe that's something that intimidates us too. Anytime it's out of our power. Rob, what you got? You talking job interviews? I'm talking all kinds of. Those interviews. are not intimidating at all. First thing is you got to go in and just say, "I don't want the job. I didn't want this job." And then, then it's great after that. This company's they stupid. Ask, well, what would you want to complain about our company? What what criticisms do you have for your company? Like, oh well, yeah, let me tell you. Now but you can. sometimes that honesty can actually work out, and then you actually get the job that you didn't want in the first well, place. Man, Rob, this isn't this the only job you've ever had? No, no I'm just kidding. Like um, because 12. it seems like it just seems like. You're, that's a pretty gutsy little attitude you've got there. You're not intimidated. By the way, phone calls was another one. So we have to make phone calls to get guests on the show, and some of our people hate phone calls and leaving messages. Rob loves it. Oh, it's great. Why, Rob? Well, people don't talk back to you, so you can get your message through in like two minutes or however long they let you leave the message. And then you just imagine that the person you're talking to is eating a sandwich. So they're, they're listening. Yeah. And so then they just listen and you say your piece and you say, well, I'll tell you what, when you're done with that sandwich, give me a call back. 
You just leave the sandwich part out, and it's it's great. Okay, who? Okay, the sandwich trick. Who? And do you like Bryce? Doesn't like leaving messages. I I'm on live radio right now, and yeah. that doesn't bother me in the least. But a message. But a message that if I say something awful and dumb that you can save and that you can replay to your friends and be like, hey, you hear this really dumb guy that called me? That really makes me nervous. And so if I'm if I'm ready for a message, yeah, it's no big deal. But if I'm calling someone and suddenly <laughs> There's a there's an answering machine and I was not ready for it and I am not in a situation where I can easily spit out the words that I need to. I will say dumb things for about a minute and a half and then just throw the phone on the ground. I gotta go. Bye. I'll just run away from the phone. <laughs> Call me if you remember. It's not worth it. Isn't that interesting? And so that's not even. Is that? Isn't that? I guess it's just doing something we don't like to do. So look at intimidation. Then we get timid when people have power. We get timid when or intimidated when maybe we don't have control, maybe when we were surprised, maybe when when they're big. <laughs> There's a lot of reasons to be intimidated. It mm. seems like it seems like the someone having more options than you. I see that in a disadvantage what we're talking about. of options. Some, someone has more options than uh-huh. you do in the situation. Uh, anything else intimidate you? Anybody? Language. Yeah, Catherine. Um, when you speak a second language and you talk to someone who speaks that language, a native speaker, yeah, that scares me that, so bad. I, that bugs me too. Like I don't, so I don't speak it. So if anyone's like, so I know Spanish and I'm fluent in it, but people are like, hey, so you know Spanish? I'm like, yeah, and they'll even talk to me in Spanish, and then I'll answer in English. Yeah, uh huh. And like, I, won't I can, play the I game. can understand you really well. Yeah, you speak incredibly well. <laughs> so you say you know it. Mm-hmm. I was fluent in it. I know it really well. I'm fluent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you want to say something? Mm-mm. I'm good. But I know the language. Yeah, I really do. It's a profoundly wonderful language. It's beautiful. Isn't that funny? So then all of a sudden when we're intimidated, we back down our game. Hmm. How many of us out there in Radio Land are backing down our game because we are intimidated? We're talking about intimidation on the Matt Townsend Show. How to overcome being intimidated by those around us, how to kind of think through this, and really take back your life. We're going to be bringing on an expert who's going to walk us through it, give us the tools that we need to succeed. We'll bring her on after this break on The Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Turn your junk mail into free electricity? Find out next. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. At a recent exhibition in Tokyo, the Sony Corporation demonstrated a unique battery that generates electricity by digesting scraps of waste paper. It's modeled on the digestive chemistry of termites and may point the way to a different take on recycling in the future. In the Sony battery, the scraps of paper are mixed with water and an enzyme called cellulase, which decomposes the cellulose of the paper into sugars. In this, the battery is copying what happens when termites digest wood. The sugars in turn mix with other enzymes and give up their chemical energy as electrons. The process takes only minutes to start generating a flow of current, enough to turn a tiny motor. The Sony team says biological batteries like this may become important because they contain no toxic materials or even metals. Thinking even further ahead, the same process might be applied to crop waste as well as paper, since both are made up of cellulose. It could be that old corn stalks will also be turned into electricity in bio-batteries of the future. 
For Innovation Now, I'm Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Have you ever wanted to travel the world? Now you can experience the vibrant cultures and customs of countries across the globe and cities across America through the eyes and ears of folk artist Eric Dowdle. Tune in to Traveling with Eric Dowdle and travel the world weekdays at 9 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We're talking about intimidation. What intimidates you? We'd love to hear from you. Give us a call on our phone lines. We'll get you on the show, 801-422-0143. What really works you up? What gets your mind going? What creates a little fear in you that makes you kind of freeze? We would love to hear your ideas. Again, one or 801-422-0143. 0143. Okay, love to hear from you. Now we're bringing on. Um, we want to talk to you a little bit about um, a little bit more about intimidation because intimidation is not a new idea, right? Uh, this has been going on apparently since the beginning of time. And so on today's show, we're going to be talking about dealing with the feeling of intimidation in our personal lives. But history reminds us that intimidation is centuries old. It's an affliction that's been affecting leaders and countries forever. I've been following the U.N. speeches this week. Iran's president, you know, that guy with the name nobody can pronounce, Ahmadinejad, Ahmadinejad, you know the guy. Anyway, he spent half an hour talking about how intimidated he felt by Israel, which is kind of funny considering over the last few years all the intimidating things that he's said towards Israel about wanting to blow Tel Aviv off the map. Well, the next day was Israel's prime minister's turn, and he got out a big, fat, permanent marker and drew a big red line on a picture of a bomb to visually demonstrate how much intimidation he feels his country can tolerate before his country will turn around and start intimidating Iran. All this reminds me that war, diplomacy, even athletes in the Olympics, intimidation is about trying to get your opponent scared to respect your space and let you do what you want to do. Take, for instance, 1940s Germany. They tried to overlap their growing living space onto central London. There was a problem because the Brits didn't like that idea. So the Nazi war machine, wanting to have their space respected and do what they wanted to do, ratcheted up some intimidation. Blitzkrieg! But it backfired on them because rather than cower in the corner, with each blitz, Londoners became even more and even more mad at der Fuhrer. And by the 50th or 60th bombing, the smoke from the smoldering building seemed to bring out a side of Winston Churchill that history kind of loves. The world, and most importantly, British voters loved. At that point, Churchill's approval rating shot up to 88% as he led the British people to fight back. And you know how that story ends. Now, for decades after the war, the Soviets decided to overlap into Eastern Europe and into Berlin. And all sorts of intimidation tactics rolled out. 
the Berlin Wall, no man's land, KGB, not to mention the U.S. and the USSR pointing enough missiles at each other to be able to wipe out two continents. But it wasn't the bombs and the walls and all the other classic means of intimidation that worked in the end. It was just regular guys like Gorbachev, Lakwalesa, and simple ideas like perestroika that seemed to work in the end. BYU Radio is the home of the Cougars. Rise up and become a corporate sponsor today. For more information, call 801-422-1448 or email support at byu.edu. Robot arms, legs, so played out. Future robots really need tails? This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. A group of University of California Berkeley researchers think that the best teacher for robot designers is Mother Nature. After some exhaustive experiments and observations of how lizards maneuver while keeping their footing, a team found that the secret is all in the tail. That's why they put one on their new robot, a car-like device called Tailbot, which caused quite a sensation at a recent international robotics conference. The UC Berkeley team studied how lizards use the tail as a counterbalance and an anti-roll counterweight when maneuvering down a glass incline to make a short jump. The tail's counterbalancing action kept the test lizards all pointing straight instead of spinning out and losing directional control. Now, Tailbot mimics the same effects, using a gyroscope in the tail to help the small robotic car turn sharp corners while staying on all four wheels. Tailbot also demonstrates agility in the air. If it's dropped facing nose down to the ground, Tailbot uses its tail to right itself within a third of a meter. Turn signaling is optional. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. For regular updates on BYU radio programming, sports, and other behind-the-scenes news, follow BYU Radio on Twitter. Just search for BYU Radio, hit follow, and enjoy our tweets on news, live updates on shows, and much more. Talk about good.
Sirius XM 143. BYU Radio. 
Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. A slight uh, interruption there. You probably didn't even hear it or know it happened, except we had a show going, you may have noticed. Then all of a sudden, we're playing some great music again. Here's why. Remember, we were doing the show on intimidation, and right in the middle, right when I was a, when we were going to come back and I was going to introduce our great guest, boom, smoke alarm, fire alarm goes off. We have to clear the entire building. They're trying to intimidate us, and we won't let it happen. True story. But uh, we're coming back with Kimberly Giles. Now, Kim Giles is our expert, and she's going to help us, uh, I think, work through our intimidation issues. Kim is a highly sought-after life coach and author. She's a speaker. She's got a killer sense of humor. She's the president of a group called Clarity Point Coaching and uh, has done a lot of work, has been on Good Morning America. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the local stations as well here in Utah. She writes an advice column in the Deseret News, which is a which is a large newspaper here in um, Utah and Salt Lake City, and does a lot of work with KSL. And you can find her information on KSL dot com if you're looking for that. And if you want to get a hold specifically of Kim as we as we talk and you get some of her insight, just go to ClarityPointCoaching dot com and she will enlighten you. Kim, welcome to the show. Thanks, Matt. I'm now, delighted. That to be was here. fun. You're the first human. <laughs> Ever in the middle of our radio show, first time we've ever been interrupted and had to leave in a fire drill. I have to admit, I'm lucky that way. I think funny things happen I everywhere so I go. Too. It gave us a chance to talk to a lot of people. It did. And it must and it's be. It's going to be a great story. It's going to be a huge story. And it must be because you're smoking hot. Oh, yeah. You I'm think sure so? That, no, I don't think so. It really has it. never happened. So this is, this is new. Now, intimidation. You heard us kind of talking about it at the very beginning of the show uh, before the fire alarm. What is the deal with intimidation? Because you heard us talking. It can be that people are bigger. It can be that we feel inferior. It could be groups. It can be a lot of factors that cause this intimidation factor. But what's behind it is the same simple thing. What? Okay, I I believe that all of us have a very deep core fear that we're just not good enough. Yeah, we're inadequate. We're inadequate. We're just maybe not enough. And I've, I've found no matter what kind of family you grew up in, 
you got messages as a child. Can't you just be quieter? Yeah, can't you look be, at your room. Can't you be more assertive? Can't you be this or that? And we, we did start to get this message that maybe who we are isn't quite enough or right. So you kind of feel like when we when we unconsciously, subconsciously fall back into that little sense of insecurity like, uh-oh, data, real data that I'm not good. Well, and the, the guys mentioned you know, literally feeling like someone's better than you yeah. is often what triggers it. Yeah. And I think because we have this core fear that we're not good enough, we have a tendency to see other people always in terms of better than us or worse than us. Yeah, up or down, huh? We do. Don't yeah, you think? I totally agree. I mean, I think that really that mentality is what's behind almost every conflict in every marriage, country. You look at prejudice, racism, war. It's all because we've decided to see someone else as different from yeah, us, totally better agree. or worse. And so there's a conflict there. And that is the sense, I guess, and that creates this reaction inside of you, which is intimidation. It is. And then it, that then causes feelings and other things and then certain reactions that maybe aren't healthy. Well, yeah, it's never – it's never healthy to see anyone as better than you or worse than you yeah. because it's not accurate. Mm-mm. We're all human beings. We have the same value. And the reality is we're so different, we're completely incomparable. Right. Yeah. I mean, right? Yeah. How could – I mean, there's so many things that can be different. I mean, someone can be bigger than you, faster, taller, whatever, but not necessarily smarter, not necessarily more intuitive, not necessarily more spiritual, not necessarily more – Anything. Well, I always imagine, you know how they always say comparing apples and oranges, mm-hmm. but I picture a strawberry and a raspberry and a peach and a grapefruit and a banana all lined up, and you tell me which one's better. Oh, wow. Yeah, we shouldn't. You can't because the just qualities mix them together are so and you different. got a really good drink. That's why we need variety, right? <laughs> I think the you're right needs on. needs all of us. But the intimidation then, it just feels so real to us that I wonder if then we're not – then we make stories about it. Like, oh, and then maybe that emboldens our own fears. Is that what happens? Because like I was just thinking of the people that are too afraid to go to a group, like to go to a party. Parties, they were saying earlier, could be intimidating to them. So all of a sudden you have this story about parties and you start avoiding parties and that has got to make it even worse for your fear. Yeah, you're just adding to it, making it bigger and bigger yeah. and bigger. And this is everywhere. It is. Everyone experiences this. Even the people you're intimidated by, they have people they're intimidated by too. Yeah, wouldn't you love to know who they are so you could work I them? I guarantee they do. <laughs> And often the people I think are the most confident actually really do have a lot of insecurities and intimidation. Isn't that – so you heard like there's a professor, an accounting professor that is just so intimidating to one of our producers. And that's real. And it would be interesting to find out who that professor is intimidated by or what that professor is intimidated by. Is there something that sets them off? I bet there is. I bet he's got some place in his life where he doesn't feel strong. Maybe yeah. it's about how he looks yeah. or something. There's something there. The there always pack. is. Yeah. It's always the six-pack, Kim. Always. <laughs> um, so we've got this issue. Now, what do we do as we start talking about it? How do we not get consumed with it? How do we stay in thinking about our best self instead of getting sucked into the obsessing about how weak we are? Okay, so I've got a couple ideas on this. Yeah. First of all, we have to make sure that we see who we are accurately. And a lot of times we let fear and what other people think or what we think they think Mm -hmm. influence the way we see ourselves and, and we're not being accurate. If we get accurate, each of us, our value 
is infinite right. and absolute. Our value to our Heavenly Father as children of God, I mean, it's unchangeable. Yeah. He's going to love us no matter what. Our value is already set. And, and when you really grasp that idea, what we're saying is that your value is not on the line, yeah. which means you're as bulletproof as Superman. It doesn't matter what happens, right. what people think of you, you're still the same You're you. still set. It's just, yeah, okay, I get that. It's just, it's really not Heavenly Father or God I'm worried about. It's Larry, my boss. He's the one that freaks me out. Well, that's true, but the real issue <laughs> is how not, you see right. yourself. Yeah. So the reason you're intimidated by Larry is you don't know your value. You forgot who you are. You did. And that's the uh, that's interesting because it's true if you think about it. If you're God or this this entity that gives you all your power and purpose in life, were standing next to you, what would really intimidate you? Yeah, nothing. Mm-mm. And to know you're His child, yeah, you'd be pretty proud of who you are. Yeah. And we just need to grasp the reality of that and choose to see ourselves as bulletproof. I love that. So that would be the first thing yeah. because nothing that anybody could do for you can help you have that. That is something you have to work on and you have to choose to see yourself that way. Yeah, the bulletproof factor. It it's is. just vision, really. Well, yeah, I tell my clients to literally imagine that scene from Superman where the bank robbers come out and just start opening fire. Yeah. And he just stands there and smiles. What's your problem? They can throw everything they got at him. Yeah. He's not worried. You have no idea who He's I am. He's bulletproof. See, so so much of that is the vision. And it seems like that's that's the thing. We just, we, we've got to figure out how to keep a vision in our mind, top of mind. Because like, it's almost like it's when we're at our worst self. When this is happening, right? So when we're being intimidated, we're at our worst self. And one of the things uh, is kind of uh, on the fly, spontaneous things also seem to be something that was intimidating, having to adapt too quickly. So how do you keep a vision that you're bulletproof? How do you really keep it in your head okay, and so top of mind? I'll tell you what I, what I teach my clients. Yeah. Because fear really is the root of all of our problems. Mm-hmm. Every relationship, it doesn't matter what's going on, your fear is the bottom line problem we got to get rid of. And so there's a way to get out of fear in any moment, in any situation. And it's by choosing to be in trust and love. Now, when I say trust, I'm kind of talking about faith, but I'm really talking about trusting God about your value. In that moment. In that moment. I teach my clients there's two things you're going to choose to trust God, that your value is not on the line, that it's infinite and absolute, you're bulletproof, and there isn't anything that can hurt you. And two, you're going to choose to know that your life journey is a perfect classroom experience for you, and every experience that's showing up is there to serve you. It's here to teach you things. Hmm. So whatever the scary situation is, it's not here to crush you like a bug. Yeah. It's here to serve you and help you grow and learn. It's literally for your good. So there's nothing to be afraid of. No, in it. the fear is a sign uh, is a, of a sign, of, I guess, of an opportunity to learn. It is. It's just showing you, here we go. Oh, here's something we could it learn. It is. But we have no reason to be afraid. There, we are not on the line. No yeah. situation. Even if everybody at the party thinks you're an idiot, guess what? You're still the same you. Yeah. Didn't change you or diminish you at all. Well, they're idiots. <laughs> I guess that's where it goes well, back. Well, that's where you start thinking of them <laughs> yeah. as less than you. So yeah, well, you know, trouble. which sometimes makes us feel better. Not healthy, but no. just better. 
Isn't that interesting, though? It really is this. You you use the classroom metaphor. What do you what do you mean? Go into that more. What's the classroom about? Okay, so I told you about this while we were out listening to the fire. Yeah, they. This is fascinating. Well. I believe it gives everybody a lot of clarity to recognize that they've got a philosophy about life that they may not be consciously aware of. And if you think about this experience on Earth as being sent off to college, yeah, because really that's what it is. We are here to learn. That's our purpose for being here. So we've been sent off to college. So I want our listeners to just ask themselves, does life feel to you like a testing center? Where every day is a test and every test counts on your grade and your values on the line all the time? Or does it feel like a classroom experience where you're here to learn and you can try the problem on the chalkboard? If you get it wrong, you can erase and try it again. We're here to learn. And it's a learning process where we keep improving and growing, but it's a safe place. Yeah. So how does life feel to you? Does it feel like a testing center where you're in jeopardy every moment? See that's that would that's what would be intimidating, huh? Is to think that con- everything is a test, win or lose, pass or fail, good or bad, smart or then dumb. Then it's all intimidating. Yeah, it's horrible. Everything is. We were just talking about the testing center, and how horrible that is. <laughs> and like, why would they put that torture on people? But testing center versus classroom, which is just kind of a loving place to learn. It is. And if you decide to see your life as a classroom, it will change every experience because hmm. you will realize that you're never in jeopardy. You're safe the entire time. Well, and then all of these people that are so intimidating are just teachers, right? Yeah. Every experience is a lesson and every person in your life is a teacher and it's all for your good. So you're you're safe. Oh, so that's the trust part. That Matt. sounds hard, though. Well, it sounds hard at first because we're not used to it. It's like a muscle we haven't used. Yeah. So we got to practice. We got to we got to get stronger in the vision. So there's that's the trust part. Mm-hmm. What was the other one? Love. Love. Okay, because love is the opposite of fear. Because fear, when you think about it, it's all about you. Yeah, it's so selfish. It's so selfish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anytime you're experiencing intimidation, you are not thinking about that other person. You are worried about you. So the fastest way to get out of fear is to choose in that moment. To feel and give love to the very person that you were intimidated by. Yeah, see, that's the hard one. <laughs> it is, they're mean. but you can do it. Yeah. Or they're not even mean, but they're just scary. Yeah, they're just scary. But you can decide in that moment. Uh, you know what? I'm going to see this person as the same as me—a brother and sister, child of God, just like me. Yeah. Who needs love and validation? And I'm going to see if I can edify them in this moment. Oh, see, now you're getting out of yourself. Yeah. So what do we... The fear disappears. Let's take that into the example of the professor that scares us. Mm -hmm. What really are we supposed to do with the scary, intimidating professor that could destroy our career? How do I turn that fear into loving this professor? Okay, so we're going to run through the things we just talked about. First, we're going to trust... Our value's not on the line here. Yeah. Second, I'm in his class. I'm supposed to be in his class. This is my journey. So whatever happens here, even if he hates me and destroys my career, then it must have been yeah. meant to be. And your value's not your career. Your value and is you. And your life will be exactly what it's meant to be. So in reality, even though we can build up all this fear that he could ruin your career, really – you're okay. Come on. You got nothing on You got me. nothing to That's worry good. about. And then I, I really would watch him as he lectures and see if you can sense 
that a lot of people who come on really strong and try to intimidate other people, it's because they're afraid they're not good enough too. Yeah, they're 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 playing the game, aren't they? They are, and it's just another way to compensate for that same fear by coming on strong and trying to intimidate other people and show them how tough you are. You're you're just hiding your fear, and you can see that in yeah. people. And then I guess it's interesting because that would soften you. You'd have more compassion for uh-huh. him, which might make you approach him or her differently. Because then I all totally of a sudden would. you're like. Huh, he's just a really big kid <laughs> that's afraid. Because <laughs> we all are. Yeah. We are all struggling, scared Absolutely. human beings in the classroom of life. See, how th- see that sounds easier. But in the moment, it's pretty hard. Okay, let's do one where we're going to the party, okay? A big social group. We walk in. We came in late because we've been out in the car, like, freaking out, not wanting to go in. <laughs> Popping Pez um, or whatever we were popping and we end up going in and then what? I mean then we're nervous and the nervousness is all about us feeling insecure like I'm going to be rejected by these people. How do we do the same thing there? Okay, in that one I would go straight to love and I would make up my mind that my goal at this party was to look for other people who look scared and I want to validate them. I want them to know someone cares about and values them and the most powerful way to do that is to just ask people questions. Just and get show into everyone interest. else. Yeah, let them do all the talking. Find someone and say, tell me about you. Tell me, you know, what are you studying? What do you do? Just get them talking. That makes somebody feel valued, just that someone cares enough to listen to them. Love it. See, that is so doable. It is. We that's, can do this. That's what I did with my kids. I had a child that was so worried about the dance and how he's going to ruin the picture, and all these people are going to see him dancing. And I'm like, well, just. Make your date real happy. Just focus on your date. <laughs> Make sure she's happy. Serve her. Care for her. Yeah, you got to get out of yourself. And it works, doesn't it? It totally does. Kimberly Giles, we're going to come back. Uh, great stuff about how to lose the intimidation in your life, how to quit being intimidated by others, how to take yourself back and remember who you are and share the love. You're uh, listening to Matt Townsend on The Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. While sitting in heavy traffic, do you ever wish you could just drive over all the other cars? A company in China is looking at doing just that. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. The largest cities usually experience the most traffic congestion since there are simply many cars on the road. And with population booming, the roads just get more crowded. A company in China wants to solve this problem by putting even more people on the road, just without the cars that go with them. The idea is a large, sectional bus that can carry up to 1,200 people. This isn't your average bus. The vehicle has the advantage of riding over 7 feet above the ground and straddles two lanes of road, allowing passengers to literally ride over the rest of traffic. This bus system would operate a little like a subway, but developers say it would be less expensive to build and can be supplemented with solar power. Passengers will get on and off at raised platforms. And even while the bus is stopped at the platform to board and unload passengers, cars underneath can continue to drive without delay. That dream of riding above all that rush hour traffic may very well become a reality in the near future. Talk about taking the high road. For Innovation Now, this is Crystal Browning. 
Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Notes from the Kennedy Center is the program that provides a wider perspective of the world we live in. Each Wednesday, we air live lectures from diplomats, scholars, and government officials from around the world. Join us to hear from Speaker Gretchen Morganson, Assistant Business and Financial Editor and Columnist for the New York Times. She'll talk about the next global financial crisis. That's this Wednesday at 2 Eastern, here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Talk about good. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We are talking with Kim Giles, who's a life coach um, and just very insightful. Mother of four, stepmother of three, I believe. Seven kidlets running through your crazy life. And um, she's just giving us some great insight. As part of that, we wanted to use, you know, some people out there use intimidation, uh, to to kind of get their way to maybe manipulate some people, but what are some other methods that are out there? Well, you know there are other methods that you can use, but Bryce, our great uh, top notch producer, has some other thoughts that he'd like to share with us. Look, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I'm about to rant. This is the Bryce's right. Everybody likes to get on their high horse when we start talking about how we make other people do things. We like to think that our methods are ethically sacrosanct, that we lead by example or through inspiration. In reality, we don't. If at any point while I'm talking you think, yeah, but I would never... Yeah, just wait till I'm done. How about manipulation? You would never do that, right? Yeah, you do it all the time. To keep it simple, let's consider any deceptive behavior that is used for a specific outcome to be manipulation. You can manipulate in several ways. You can punish someone. You can extort them for your own gain. Or you can get the holy grail of manipulation, the win-win. For example, I went out to this fabulous Asian restaurant last night. When I was dealing with the waitress, I was all sunshine and rainbows, tossing out pleases and thank yous left and right for any little thing. I was asking her questions about her day, but I really didn't care about her day at all. I just wanted good service. And for the individual who loves to sit on their high horse, you're going to say I'm a terrible person. But this is the best kind of manipulation. I'm sure she was sick of customers by this time of the night. I was sick of being hungry. I decided to be a customer that wouldn't annoy her. She brought me food. That is a win-win. I bet you never thought that politeness is one big manipulation game that we play with each other. Yeah, I bet you didn't think about that up on your high horse. What about bribery? Of course this is wrong. It's against the law, right? At least it's wrong in terms of ethics, right? Okay, yeah, I'll give that to you. When you think of bribery, you think of a TV procedural cop drama where a judge will accept a bribe to look the other way. But bribery is more simple than that. It's all just incentivizing. And incentivizing moves into motivation, which leads right into the thinking processes that constantly figure out measuring, will this be worth it? This incentivizing can go positive or it can go negative. Bribing the judge, that would be positive. But is someone in your house unwilling to clean? Well, let things get dirty. Once the spiders hear that a new subdivision has opened up, I promise it won't be long before that room gets voluntarily, and rather enthusiastically, cleaned up. This is an example of negative incentive. What sets bribery apart is whether or not you're willing to up the ante to get what you want. Up on that high horse of yours, I bet you never thought yourself to be guilty of bribery by accepting a paycheck. But let's face it, it's against my principles to work for free. But my employers incentivize this activity by promising a paycheck down the road. So I work for free until they hold up their end of the bargain. So far, they've been good at this. 
For all of this, what I'm saying is, you and I, we're just as bad as anyone else. Please do everyone a favor and get off of your high horse. But we're not hopeless beasts. Since we're going to manipulate each other, why not shoot for the win-win scenario? In the end, it's hard to complain about that outcome. All right, I'm out. And remember, don't forget to be awesome. Bryce Tobin on his rant. Um, It's interesting. There are a lot of ways to get what you want. Intimidate, manipulate, bribe, coerce. I have to admit, Bryce, though, (laughs) I I take issue that they know when you're being nice just to get what you want versus you actually care about them. They can feel it. Ooh, yeah, that's a good point. They know. Just like Don't even argue you know it. when it's some when you point. intimidate someone, you can feel their fear, can't you? Yeah, I mean, you can smell it you sometimes. You can smell it. Totally. And <laughs> and they can smell your insincerity. Oh yeah. <laughs> See, I think you're right. You nailed him. I'm the sorry, Bryce, Bryce is wrong. But it's the truth. But it's interesting because if you turn intimidating because you've been intimidated, uh, based on everything we just talked about, if you turn into a briber, manipulator, intimidator, you're just becoming dysfunctional. Well, <laughs> You're not your best self. No, that's the thing. You're not your best self, and people will see it. And we need they, to stay. You may get what you want, but that doesn't mean they're going to like you and respect Mm-mm. you. Well, you get what you day. want, but you lose who you are, and so it's then who win. are you again? Right. See, I like this idea that we, we just kind of have to remember who we are and remember that you're not my identity. You're not my sense of who I am. I can be that independent of you. That's right. We do. We have to spend some time and figure out who we are because most of the time when I ask someone to tell me who they, they are, don't know. this blank mm-hmm. stare on their face, they have no clue. Well, and especially if I've been raised as an intimidator, briber, manipulator, then that – no wonder I don't know who I am. So this is something we should be teaching our kids. We should. And, and sit them and down you, and Can I tell you a couple yeah. ways real quick yeah. you could do that? Make sure that you don't just praise your kids when they do well or look well, look good. Because mm-hmm. that is what most of the validation yeah. they get comes from. And it starts to build this idea that who I am is what I do and how I look. Right. Which sets a really bad precedence for the rest of our life. Yeah. Because if we don't look good enough or do good enough, we're going to have no self-esteem. So with my kids, I really try to make sure that I – talk to them a lot about their qualities because their kindness, yeah. their generosity, that kind of thing is really who they are. Your character, your integrity, your discipline, that that's going to stay with them. That can go yeah. the long that can go the long run, huh? So we can at least make a difference with our kids and help them gain confidence about who they are so they won't be as t- intimidated by mm-hmm. other people. I love the idea too that I guess you just go teach them how to love other people. So, I mean, the minute you're feeling this intimidation, turn that fear into love somehow. Turn well, it into service. Turn in every into... moment, you only have two choices. You're either in a state of fear or you're in a place of love and trust. Mm-hmm. Those are the only two options. What if you're just sleepy, Kim? Because sometimes <laughs> I'm just sleepy. I'm not either of them. I just need a nap or some sugar. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but you are kind of focused on you, so I don't <laughs> think that would be in the me. love. <laughs> that's true. So that would probably be the the fear, the fear of falling asleep on the job or something. You're, um, I think you've got it. I think it's humans. It's such. It's deep, yet it's fairly simple. And if we just get into what we like to do, like, or when if we start noticing when we feel the most peace, we probably are into who we are. Yeah, those moments are when you're being your authentic you. Totally. Give us a challenge. What is the one thing that makes all the difference? What's one thing we can do that would immediately decrease 
choose to see your life as a classroom, not a testing center. Huge. Every experience is just a lesson. Yeah. Your value is not on the line. And it's not permanent. You it's practice just... choosing that every minute of the day, and it will dramatically make a difference. Life is a classroom, not a testing center. Great stuff. Great advice from Kimberly Giles, who is the president and founder of Clarity Point Life Coaching. You can find Kimberly at claritypointcoaching.com. That's right. Thank you so much. Go check out that website. And thanks for joining us. Sorry. So uh, we are so sorry for the interruption of the fire. Oh, that was fun. We didn't mean to have the building almost catch on fire. (laughs) But we're back and we'll be back again tomorrow, every Monday through Friday, right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. KBYU FM HD2 Provo.